title here, The Superiority of the Way of Wisdom. Um, then, from chapters 10 through most of 22, we've got the Proverbs of Solomon, and that, and that, that part, these are just kind of miscellaneous, not, no real order to them. Um, then we have the sayings of the wise, which have a little bit more order. Then we're back to more Proverbs of Solomon, then the words of Agur and Lemuel, so this is what you were asking about, John. And then find the epilogue, which is the ex-wife, or the worthy woman. Um, and we're going to, the first nine chapters, I've got some detailed outlines for, the, for each of the chapters, because they, they go in a fairly orderly way. Even outline, there's no way, once you start chapters, you can't outline those chapters at all. Or else if it's a 31 verse chapter, it'd be 31 points for outline. <laughs> But this first first part outlines pretty well. And uh, who who are these chapters mostly addressed to? Young man. Yes, a young man. And they deal with um, the temptations that a young man is going to face. Now, that doesn't mean that young women can't benefit from it. It doesn't mean that old people can't benefit. Um, but the goal, at least for the first nine chapters, was to try to appeal to this young man that he, he addresses this my son and urging him to uh, to get to get his life right when he can. And I, we don't have anybody young here, but well, I guess Mike might be might, might qualify. But, um, uh, you know how we're, we're, you know teenagers and early 20, 20 somethings um, facing a lot of decisions and. and uh, they're trying to decide, you know, who am I? Uh, what am I going to do with my life? How am I going to live? And you know, a lot of times they make the wrong choice and they pay for it for uh, it's a long time. Um, but even if someone actually makes the wrong choice and decides, I don't want to feel like this anymore, it's going to take them a long time to drag themselves out of the pit that they've dug. And so the writer here, he wants these, these sons to, to avoid that. So, just looking at this outline, the first seven verses were in the previous outline there. That was the prologue of the whole book. We've got the title, we've got a, bit, a preface, you know, wisdom, instruction, sermons, and so on. Uh, and then verses six and seven, how to use the book. Verse six, to understand a proverb and the figures, words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that one, that, that verse 7 kind of, that really summarizes much of the first nine ch chapters. That you've got, and in the book of Proverbs, every, everything is black and white. There's only two kinds of people, <laughs> either wise or fools. And the, the wise are the people who want to do God's will. And the fools are the people who think they know better. <laughs> and they're going to do that to go their own thing. Um, and they're generally the ones that throw off their parents' instructions. Well, in some cases, the parents are just as bad as anybody else. Um, I know a, there's, there's a man I met for here in the last few weeks who's do, do, does a lot of jail ministry. He was telling me that um, one guy he, know, he met in jail, I guess it's helped him somehow after he got out of jail. Had a big problem with um, cocaine and, and heroin and things like that. Um, 
say to her, he says, you know, uh, you know who it was helped me inject the first time? This is my mom. I was 16. She, she helped. She puts a needle in my arm. This guy, he got he got out of jail, went back, went to his apartment, talked with Terry that night. He says, Terry, guess how many people have come offering me drugs just today? Just, it's just horrible. Yeah, this is the guy that knows Jason. You know, well, back to the problems. <laughs> These people, unfortunately, you've got generation after generation choosing wrong. But in, uh, in verse, verses 8 through 19, we've got the wisdom of recognizing true friends. And he, he talked about well, these false friends. What do they want the guy to do? To go out with them and make fun of them. Yeah. yeah and, and what do we do when we call this a group like that? That's a gang. And this, is, this is a gang. Just like you have in the inner cities today. Um, my dad, my dad is preaching in South Africa, which you know for you know, half a century, and um, he told me he says this, this describes South Africa. That just you know, the young people grow up and they join gangs, um, and it's just terrible. Um, and they make it sound so appealing. I mean, you've got a family with this gang because they're going to have you know what are they going to do with their money? Put in the common pot. I mean, doesn't that sound? I mean, you're accepted. You're part of the group, and just wonderful. And yet, what are they lying in wait for? Verse 18. Their own blood, their anguish, and their own lives. Yeah. And 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 you look at, at the you know the life expectancy of gang members today. And you see that's exactly what's, what's going on here. Um, then in it in verses 20 to the end of the chapter. Wisdom is personified. Now, this is this is one of the interesting things about these first nine chapters that the, the, the author talks about wisdom as being a person, a male or female person. Female, yeah, that's a lady wisdom. I don't know if this is true in Hebrew because I don't know Hebrew, but in Greek, the word for wisdom is feminine. Um, in, in, in Greek, you, you everything every noun is either feminine, masculine, or neuter. And uh, Sophia, which is wisdom in Greek, that's a feminine noun. And maybe the maybe males are feminine in Hebrew because I know they have the same masculine term like in Hebrew. Uh, anyway, she's a woman. And um, she's uh, she's in the street shouting out, Come, come get wisdom. This is great. Um, in, in the first section, 22 to 23, turn from the scorn of wisdom, she will give you knowledge. And, and this is a, such a sad thing. There, there are whole societies, sub-societies in, in our culture who grew up despising wisdom. And, and despising the point that, that they put pressure on people in their society to avoid wisdom. Um, I, I, I picked up on this a few years back on, on a radio interview. This young, young black person was talking about how uh, he had he had succeeded in school in spite of the pressure because he this is the black school he's going to all, all, all the other kids 
they consider that doing well in school is acting white, which is a really bad thing to do if you're black. And so anyone who gets good grades, you know, hey, you know, hey, look, why are you over there? And, and this, this kid said, well, I was afraid of my mom more than I was afraid of the kids in school. <laughs> so he can't do it well. But that, that's, and again, we all know people around us who make fun of godly wisdom. And young people face the pressure much more than people our age. Uh, and so that's why wisdom is saying, you know, put aside, you know, ignore the scorn of these other people. Listen to me because I'll, I'll help you out. But then in the last part of the chapter, 24 to 33, what's she going to do if you neglect her? Yeah, when you need help, too bad. <laughs> it's like insurance. You better buy your insurance before you crash your cost. <laughs> and the wisdom of the young. Um, yeah, verse 30, they would not accept my counsel. They spurn all that group. So they shall lead them the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. <laughs> oh. So, now, um, I mentioned earlier on that the Proverbs have this kind of black and white thing. Um, and, and we're going to see as we go on, I mean, the black and white nature of, of it is this. You do wisdom, you're going to prosper. You reject wisdom, you're going to suffer. And of course, there's one book we've already covered that uh, challenges that. What is that book? Yeah, the book of Job. Um, but we have to understand, the book of Proverbs is still telling us the truth as long as you understand it as a truth in the sense of a proverb. It's not saying, you know, there's never going to be any exceptions to this. But the, the, the basic rule that God has laid down for this earth is that those who follow wisdom will prosper, and those who reject wisdom will suffer. And you know, I, and I've mentioned some of these people you know, this, you know, living on the street now that have paid price like that, and we see that around us. But but we do have to understand that there are, you know, within any any proverb, there's going to be some exceptions that you're going to have to look deeper. I mean, most of the proverbs later on in the book are one verse long. In one verse, you can't go very deep. I mean, you can just say. It's either black or it's white. <laughs> then you're done with the problem. Um, and so if, if, you're, if you're one who's been following wisdom and doing good, but you're suffering, you're going to have to go elsewhere to get the insight on that. But if you're a young person who's trying to decide how you ought to live your life, I don't think you ought to start with the book of Job. Start with the book of Proverbs. Because that's the, the foundational rule that, is gonna, that needs to guide your life. And, and uh, throughout, it suggests that you're not as smart as you think you are. And, and, you know, there's a, one person who almost says that. And basically, it's addressed to uh, young people who have uh, as much brain power as they're ever going to get. They're fully capable of reasoning, but they don't have any experience to, uh, to uh, judge the, the, the So they can get experience if they'll listen to the older generation. But that takes humility. Yeah. And that and that's what the, the book of Proverbs is trying to address. That's exactly right. They're, they're perfectly smart. You know, they can they can figure out you know, two plus two as well as an next person, but you know, with the experience and they can be taken advantage of. And and this and these chapters talk a lot about this taking and the gang people. They're taking advantage of this young person. Uh, they're they're feeding the person a lie. He doesn't realize it until it's too late. Alright, chapter two. Uh, and, and 
from chapter 2 through chapter 8, G. Campbell Morgan says, from here through chapter 8, we have a series of parental councils. They all begin with the address, my son, although some of them it's not in the first verse, but they do have it, my son. And they deal with the value of wisdom in many practical applications. So we're going to see, and then there's going to be one more chapter after that, but it's summarizing a whole nine. So, chapter 2, my son, if you'll receive my word. So you have this, the first four verses, this admonition to receive wisdom. Then we start, the rest of the chapter is about the benefits of wisdom. Um, in verse 5, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God, and, and so you get the benefit of God. In verse 9, you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. So you'll have the, the moral discernment you need to live your life. Uh, in verse 12, to deliver you from, from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. We need something to protect us from these, these people that just prey on the, on the innocent. These wicked people that try to drag us away. We're going to talk about that more later on. Um, and in verse 16, to deliver for protection from immoral women. Now, I have to mention here, again, the promise is addressed to a young man. So the villain is going to be this immoral woman. That doesn't mean that there's no men that are trying to drag women into it. Of course there are. But, the, but you have to go elsewhere to find that. And, and some people suggest me that the Psalm of Solomon would be a good book for the young women on, on that subject. Um, but there are women out there that are, that are trying to prey on men. That They're using their sexual attractiveness to get what they want out of the man and, and lead him into it. Talk about that more as we go on, but because this is not the last time that this guy's going to mention is the moral woman. And then finally, verses 20 to 22, enablement for righteous living. Alright. Um, chapter 3, again we have this introductory exhortation. Verses 5 to 12, I have mentioned the faithful of the Lord. And then wisdom is commended for, for various reasons. Verse 13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. Um, her profit is better than the profit of silver. The value of wisdom. Verses 19 and 20, the Lord used wisdom to create the world. That just shows how valuable it is. And in verse 21, and so on, you can live a long life if you have wisdom. Again, as I said earlier, this is the black and white issue. I understand some very wise and more people die young, but um, more often it's the Young and foolish, you die young. And then there's warnings, things to avoid. In verses 27 through 30, uh, avoid unneighborliness. You know? Don't say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I'll give him. And what a way to treat guy. But, you know, behave as a, nice, as a good neighbor here. And then and verses 31 through 35, don't follow the wicked people. This is again kind of goes back to chapter 1 the gang people. Um, don't envy a man of violence, you know, choosing in his ways. Now, in um, chapter 4, this is the, the first few verses of this chapter are very interesting because he gives his personal testimony. Um, verse 3, When I was a son of my father, tender and the only son of the side of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, and, and so he's, he's kind of bringing, he wants to pass on this knowledge that was passed on from his father. And, and it, it's very interesting Wisdom is something that 
it's a, it's a gift that really can be passed on from one generation to the next. But there's a caveat. The next generation has to want it, and they have to accept it. <laughs> or else, you know, it's going to stop with, with that generation. And so this father, he wants to hand on to his son this gift, more precious than gold, which his father gave to him. And it depends on whether the son will accept it or not. And if you will, it's great. I mean, we know there are some families out there that don't have this gift to pass on. And um, if they're going to get the gift, it's going to, they're going to have trouble for it. Because, I mean, anyone here who, whose parents were Christians, um, we were given this gift before we can even remember. And it just started so early. Again, we had to make a choice. Um, but some of you, you had, to, you had to learn about it many years later, and I'm sure you can look back on things and say, well, I wish I knew then what I know now. Well, this is this he's at least trying to help his son. Um, so in verses 10 to 13, he, he, he calls his son to pursue a righteous lifestyle. In verses 14 to 19, and he, then he warns against the wicked lifestyle. And then um, 20 to 27, uh, again, another exhortation to, to righteousness. Um, he, and he's just trying to say it. And, Every which direction he can say it, please follow wisdom. Just make the right choice. And I'm sure all of us know some young people would like to grab by the scruff of the deck and say, Won't you do this? <laughs> Alright. Um, chapter 5. Um, a whole chapter warning against sexual sin. And he's going to have another chapter on this too. Without in chapter seven, he's already had it. Do you think this makes sense? Out of nine chapters, to to have such a huge percentage on this one sin of sexual sexual misbehavior, does that make sense to you? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just it's it's huge, huge problem. So he's warning about this woman in verse 3. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smooth with oil is her speech. She's got her own agenda. She's after something something else. But she's trying to talk him into something. That, in the end, in verse 4, she is bitter as a wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Verse 6, she does not ponder the path of life or ways of unstable. She does not know it. Um, so he's just warning these people about this. And, and I want to talk a little bit about this in our society, because I've been trying to think about how to apply this in our society. In, in this society, this, this woman, this adulteress, she's a married woman who's being unfaithful to her husband, and she's getting what she wants from these other people. And I don't know, and, and he's not real specific on what it is. Um, in our society today, typically what you would want would be money. Different ways of getting money out of the guy. I know in South Africa, my dad's talked about this a lot today, it's just terrible over there. I understand it is here too, but it just, AIDS is, is running, it is probably at the highest percentage in South Africa, anywhere in the whole world. It's just 
know, they're all the time having funerals for parents of, of their members uh, who died of AIDS. Sometimes their own members dying too of AIDS. Um, they, these these people just assume that you know you, you just find up find someone you like and check up with them. There'll be a guy who's working in the big city and he'll come back to the country where he grew up and he'll he'll have himself a girl and he'll provide her a little apartment sleep with her. And then in the, in the big city he's got another one, he's got a park for her and sleeps with her and I'm mean, just trading around the Monero disease the local place. Um, and the women, they they know this is going on. But where are they going to get an apartment? Where are they going to get nice things? Where are they going to have a guy that says nice things to them? That they view that that's so. You know, they're they're all playing this game, using other people for their own purposes. Um, in, in our society, we've got a little bit of a vision that the poor people in our society um, are living very much like what I described in South Africa. The, the people up a little up a little bit far, the middle class, upper middle class, are, um, they're living in more in, in what you might call monopolist fornication. They're just, um, they're finding someone to shack up with them. To a certain percentage of being faithful to them. And, and they, they even think that you're supposed to do that before you get married. Your average person in America would think you're crazy to get married if you never lived together first. I mean, how, how you know it's going to work unless you look at and that's their attitude. But there's another side of our society that we don't think about so much of this, but it's very much part of this. And that is the Hollywood movie TV side and the internet side. A good part of what's done, of what comes out of Hollywood, and a lot of TV shows as well, certainly commercials, are produced by the adulterers here. Is this this strange one? I mean, they're, they're presenting sex in order to get something out of you. Now, if it's a movie, probably what they're trying to get out of you is the price of the mission. You're going to keep coming back to the movie because you know, they like to see these women without enough clothes on. And you like to see the... You, know, you like to hear the speeches with the double meanings and jokes and that kind of stuff. The advertisements, what they're trying to get is to associate in your mind the good feeling of sex with this product, whatever the product might be. Probably got nothing to do with sex, but if you watch the commercial, they may well get your mind trained where when you go in the store, you see this, this object and you, you have a good feeling about it. You may not know why, but it's because the adulteress, the strange woman, has combined that. And when you get to the internet, I don't know whether people can understand how utterly abominable It's not, and, and the sites are not just things that someone's out there looking for this, trying to find uh, find sin. It just um, you can get to these sites just by total accident. But one time I I, I, would, I wanted to go to YouTube. I misspelled on YouTube, and I had a wild up on porn site videos of, of these women that that with with hardly any clothes on that and the attraction. It was your credit card, and, and you could talk to this woman one on one. Um, I read an article recently describing the evolution of pornography 
and how much worse it's gotten just in the last few years. Um, there is free pornography available of almost all levels. Just incredible damage that it does to people. Um, and it's getting more and more violent. Um, and the reason for this is that the pornography is appealing. It, pornography is getting people addicted. You know what happens when someone gets addicted? They have to have more. And so the pornography sites are getting worse and worse. And, and it, it's spilling over into regular real relationships where, where the young men are wanting the young women to do the things that they've seen on the porn sites. And, and the violence that goes with them. Um, they're, they're, and the porn sites are doing it to get money out of these things, even though they give, they give them for free. But it's like, hey, here's a free dose of cocaine. You know, free for the first one. You know, after that, it'll cost. And, and that's what the pornography is. But there are sites where you, you can pay your credit card, and there'll be a woman. You'll have one on one video conference with this woman, and she'll do the things you want her to do in front of the camera. But she's this adulteress because she knows she's getting a cut of that money that you're paying. So the longer she can keep you on there, the more she makes. And so she's treating you as a sucker. And, and, that's, and she knows it too. Just, just like in here. I mean, you're just, you're the fool that this, this is going to be taken to the cleaners. And, and she knows you're addicted. She knows how to use that. It's, it's just terrible. And, and, and I, you know, I, but when, when we were young, well, when our, I guess I should be more accurate. When our kids were young, it was a pretty well-known truism among Christians that it's not a good idea to put a TV set in your kids' room. And even people aren't Christians know this too, but occasionally you see Christians do that in each one of the worlds. That's, um, you, you know, if you're going to have a TV, and we, we chose not to, but if you're going to have a TV, you have one, in a common room where everyone knows what you're watching. And, and where the parents are monitoring it and are, are monitoring them on the rat horse because they can get out of here. But the internet comes along, you see it's so much good on the internet. And there's all, I mean, there's all kinds of useful things on the internet. I wouldn't be able to do my job without the internet. It's just you know, fantastic. But without guidance, a young person can just go in and it's a terrible direction. There's some good software you can get that will help a lot some of that. Um, but it needs to be monitored by a real person. And, and, and I, just, I just warn parents, and if you're grandparents, and you want to kids, there's some really big changes out there. And, and these, so these chapters still apply. You know, it sounds like a different culture than us. It's the same sin going on, same motivations. It's just, wow. So, he goes through in chapter 5 these various warnings to avoid seduction um, and, and about the ruin that's going to come if you, if you neglect, neglect this. And finally, in verse 18, he says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the life of your youth as a loving eye and a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with your love. I mean, sex is fine. And God created it as good and with a, between a husband and a wife. But when you start using it as a drug, using it outside of the bounds that God placed, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. 
seen people, even among our own number, that have, have become addicted like that. And, I, and I've never gotten had any heart to heart to these people about it. But I just, I, I, I really suspect that they've known that they, they were prisoners and, and, and wished they weren't, but just didn't have the backbone to, to stand up against it. It's just like, you know, people that get hooked on cigarettes. They know. They know it, but wow, the cost of, of getting out of it. And, and so the wise young person will listen to the, the, the warnings and will avoid it to start with. And, and, and have a much better life as a result. All right, in chapter 6, we've got various warnings. The warning is surety. What is surety? Signing a note. Yeah, co-signing. Now, it's not a matter you can never co-sign. I mean, I, I co-sign on a few notes. One of my brothers needs to buy a car with one. I co-sign for him. Worked out for him. But when you don't consider who you're co-signing for, you know, just some stranger wants you to co-sign. Your neighbor, and you, you're not concerned about whether you're going to pay it back. I mean, what a foolish thing to do because you're going to be liable. I, I know a preacher in South Africa that got, got caught in this he co-signed for one of the members on business. And the guy's business went bad. He couldn't pay that. And um, strange things started happening. The, the, the church had been raising much money to build a building. And the preacher had moved on, but they were looking and said, hey, we're missing a lot of money here. Where did this money go? And that member came out and he said, well, I'm not getting phone calls anymore from these people I owe money to. And you ought to ask the preacher, and that's what it was. The preacher had taken the money out of the church and given it because they were going to take his house. He was he was in the process of selling his house and it was a sold house. They were taking the money and he, he needed it for something else, so it stole. And it all started with with foolishness here, deciding without considering what the cost might be. And then um, go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. That's a pretty famous set of verses there. The lazy person. And there's, there's a lot of problems about the lazy person. In fact, it's um, again, verse 10. But that's one of my a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond, your need like an arm. Yeah, but we don't want to be too hard on this guy. I mean, I guess it's <laughs> <laughs> and then in verse 12 you've got this devious person who, who he, does, he doesn't he doesn't tell you straight out he, he's, he likes to use um, he likes to manipulate things warning against that <coughs> verse 6 19 6 yea 7 thanks the Lord hates I've preached a sermon on that here recently um, it's obviously not every word he's just a list of particular things that this young person to be aware of. Um, and then verses 20-35 again, warnings against illicit sexual behavior. Um, the, the wiles of this woman who's going to destroy his life. And then the next chapter, we've got a whole chapter about it. And uh, this one's, I find this more interesting because it's in the form of a story. Um, he starts out in verse 6, For at the window of my house I looked out through my lattice, I saw among the naive and the 
serve among the youths, a young man like in sense. So the first uh, four verses describe the first character. We've got two characters in this draw. The first four verses describe the victim. Then the next, um, from verses 6 to 11, it, it, it describes verses 10 to 12, sorry, describes the woman who's going to do the tempting. And then the seduction. <clears throat> she seizes him and kisses him with a brazen face and says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings and I had to pay my vow. How, how in Congress is she talking about um, her service to God right while she's trying to seduce this guy? Therefore I've come out to meet you to seek your presence and earnest and I have found so she describes how wonderful it's going to be to take their fill of love. So we know she's not completely bad. <clears throat> Right, well, she did all the time, but that's true. Yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> and then in verse 1, with many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as one fetters to the discipline of a fool. <laughs> it's very dramatic here. Um, one of the things that a young person needs to understand, a young man especially to understand here, the attraction here is not solely sex, although I understand what pornography probably is, but um, there's flattery going on. She's stroking his ego, building him up. And of course she's really playing him like piano, what she's doing. He doesn't know that. And he's getting he's getting what he doesn't feel like he's getting anywhere else. But he ends up until an arrow pierces through his liver. The bird hastens to the snare so he does not know that it will cost him his life. And the last few verses will just talk about the deadly results of getting into such a sin. A number of, of these uh, chapters are about the, this evil woman. And we see in the beginning, wisdom is characterized as, as a woman. And in the chapter uh, 7 here, uh, it, uh, in verse 4, it characterizes the, the considered. Say wisdom, you are my sister. Yes. <clears throat> well, that's a good observation. And some commentators have suggested that some of these descriptions here about this adulterous woman are designed to be kind of a parable for the opposite of wisdom, which is folly. But um, in fact, they've even suggested that that picture in the last chapter of the book about the worthy woman, that again is a picture of wisdom. I don't know why they may be stretching a little bit there, but I think it does make sense to, to look at this and, and apply it far more generally than just an adulterous behavior like this. Of course, I, I suggested you know you move it out into the area of pornography in general, Hollywood, and all of that. But even things that have nothing to do with sex, when they have to do with with sin, with folly, with rebellion against God, you have all the same elements going into it. You have all the same enticements, the attraction whether it be to do drugs, whether it be to, to join a gang and steal, or, or, or any of a whole, whole host of things. They all follow the same path. And the guy starts out innocent, and he's listening, and he's being enticed, and come on in, come on in, and finally he, he goes in, and, he, and he's like an ox. He went off to be slaughtered and beaten. And even though he thinks it's going to lose his love. Yeah, other thoughts? All right, then in chapter 8, and this is, this is another one where we personify wisdom. 
<clears throat> I like this. You know, she's this woman that is calling out in verse eight. Beside the gate to the opening of the city, at the entrance of the door, she cries out, "To you, O men, I call. On my voice to the sons of men, O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom." And so she's she's inviting all these people, uh, and and uh, she tells about what, what she's going to give them is just noble, it's true, it's just. And and in verse eleven. He says, for wisdom is better than jewels and all desirable things cannot compare with her. And that's the big problem. That the young people don't understand this. They don't understand that wisdom has this huge value. Um, and, uh, and then in verse 22, she says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way before His works of old. So he talks about how He had, he had her to, to help create the world. And, and of course, you look at the creation around us and we know that it's just filled with wisdom. It's so well put together. Clearly, God be clear. I don't think it was a, a real person. And so some people have used these verses and applied them to Jesus like Jesus was the one. Um, but and, and to this, I mean Jesus is certainly wise, so to that extent you would apply it to him. But um, I really don't think that the author of this of this story intended us to think that wisdom is a real person. This is called personification, just a literary device to, to help get a point across. Um, so then finally, just one more word, yeah. uh, <coughs> the Jehovah's Witnesses will cite this uh, early on. I knew in my Christianity where I was entertained some um, Jehovah's Witnesses. And, and the issue was, uh, was, was Jesus God? And they said, well, no, God made Jesus. And they used this passage. And this was at the end of the hour study I had with them. And I knew they were wrong. Uh, uh, but I hadn't studied uh, Proverbs. I didn't know that it was the personification of wisdom. And uh, so the next time they came back, I said, well, you know about this? You know what this book is about? I said, yes. I said, I, said, I don't appreciate your coming. This is our last meeting. <laughs> All right. Well, you were following the course of wisdom. They were trying to seduce you, and you refused to be seduced. Well, basically, I was insulted. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll tell you, I get really, really angry when someone makes an argument that I know he knows that, wrong. That, that was that was the issue. I mean, I, 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 mean, I don't like it if they make a bad argument, but when I know he knows the argument is wrong, that makes me mad. <laughs> I don't like being angry about that. <laughs> Well, I just mentioned this section of Proverbs was actually used a few hundred years after Jesus when they were having the debates about the deity of Jesus. Because this, this is what they had, had to argue out like in the 4th century, the 300s. Um, was Jesus God or was He created? And, and, and this was one of the passages they were, they were working on because they, they did believe the fight of Jesus. Um, but as I said, I'm not convinced that it does at all. I think it's, if we leave it as a personification of wisdom, that's exactly what the passage is telling us. Okay, and then uh, chapter 9. This finishes the introductory chapter, chapter 9. And these are the final appeals of both wisdom and folly. And, and uh, it, it's really, I think it's cute, you know, how he describes his wisdom has built her house. She's hewn out of seven pillars. She's prepared her food. She's mixed her wine. She's also set a table. Doesn't that sound a lot like that adulteress a couple chapters earlier? 
that it prepared our house. But wisdom prepared it not to try to sacrifice the guy as an ox, but to try to benefit him with, with the blessings of, of wisdom. So she wants them to come in and eat her food, but it's not going to be the kind of food that this adulteress wanted them to eat. And then in verses 7 through 11, you have the different responses to her appeal. Um, he who corrects a scoffer, what happens? Gets dishonored. Gets dishonored. Gets dishonored. So there's some people, they, they listen to wisdom and they're scoffers. They're not interested in being corrected, which of course is what wisdom has to do. It's got to say, folks, you can't do that. That's a foolish thing to do. But a scoffer says, hey, get off my back. Um, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. But what about the wise man? If you do the same thing to a wise man, verse 9. He'll get even wiser because he listens. He'll increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Exactly. The willingness to be corrected is the first step to becoming a wise person. And, and if you're not willing to be corrected, you will never get wisdom. Of course, parents have to try to your children that early on. And then the, the, the woman of folly, and this is the gift. She's also invited everybody to her house. Um, calling out, you know, whoever is naive, turn in here. Let him relax understanding. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And the person that comes in there, what is it that they don't know? Yeah, death. She doesn't mention the end result. Yeah, doesn't mention the end result. The Net Bible has a comment on this. It says, Wisdom offers life with no mention of pleasure. Folly offers pleasure with no mention of death. <laughs> so that's their problem. Uh, the dialogue here is, is, is humorous because in verse 16, basically saying, All of you who are stupid come in here. <laughs> oh, and it's me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. They come. Oh, that sounds like fun. <coughs> sounds like the book Pinocchio. You remember that the scene where everyone's going off with it? Donkey Island. A <laughs> oh, pleasure island? Oh, and they turn into donkey. That's right. Pleasure island. They become donkey. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. All right. Well, we'll start with chapter ten next time. Yeah. We're we're into the. Chapter, we're not going to have tiny steps. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate everyone's help.